0: Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host Jacob Granger. Today we're going to be exploring how to make hybrid newsrooms a success. Newsrooms have changed a lot in the last two years. Physical newsrooms have long been the status quo, requiring us to commute into work. Then Covid came along and forced us into lockdown and working from home. News organisations have realised that neither fully in-person or fully remote work is ideal. The middle ground of hybrid work could be the perfect compromise. New research by the Reuters Institute of the Study of Journalism suggests nearly two-thirds of news organisations are now formally committed to hybrid workplace models. We'll be speaking to the author of the paper Changing Newsrooms 2022 and the Institute's Head of Leadership Development Federico Carabini to discuss the main findings. Hybrid newsrooms might strive to be the best of both worlds of physical and remote work, but they are far from being without teething issues. Coming up, we chat about the five key trends you need to watch out for when going hybrid. Don't go anywhere. Federica, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's, It's great to have the chance to speak to you.
1: Thank you so much and thank you for having me.
0: I understand that a little known fact about you, Federica, is that you love to color code things. Tell us more.
1: Um, It's true. I love um, colors and uh, I color code things at work and different folders. But also I'm quite strict on what kind of color I use on my notebook um, to take different type of notes. Um, So, yeah.
0: What do different colors mean to you?
1: Um, Well, I'm a very visual person. So that's why I use colors because it's immediate to me what it means um so um you know everything has been done has a red mark on it and um the headlines are yellow like there's all different so like visually it means uh, it gets it gets to the point right away for me (laughs)
0: like a traffic light system
1: kind of yeah kind of
0: (laughs) super interesting Federica, you've been extremely busy with this great report. You've just come out with uh, Changing Newsrooms, which very much looks at the hybrid model of the newsroom that we've that we've come to see over the last couple of years through throughout the pandemic. You know, in the early stages, we were forced to work from home very much uh, in, in isolation. Before that, we had a very much a status quo model of going to the newsroom um, five days a week. Hybrid models, are we here talking about some sort of middle ground, um, two to three days in the office, two to three days at home. Is that about right?
1: Correct. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and we've been talking about um, hybrid and flexible working for a while. Um, it was a sort of like a quest that was existed even before the pandemic. It didn't start with a pandemic. But of course, um, once uh, we'd enforced lockdown, many jobs really um, took us um, to be at home uh, and do many jobs that we thought we needed to do in the office. Um, and we saw that we could do them also at home open up uh, sort of like a more pressing um, request for like adapting to a higher level of flexibility uh, now that um, COVID seems to have not disappeared, but uh, have a bit of a less of an impact on a day-to-day work for many people, although, of course, not for everyone, um, sadly, yet.
0: The numbers are very interesting as well, because when you looked at this last year in 2021, um the, the research there said 79% of people, uh, organizations, sorry, were uh, on board with hybrid um, newsrooms. Uh, fast forward to today, one year on, um, it's 61% that are committed. So a slight decline, maybe we would expect that. But does that still um, suggest to you that this is the direction of travel that news organizations are headed towards?
1: Yeah, I think last year, again, uh, where the pandemic was still kind of a reality uh, in terms of limitation to our life in, in many places. Um, We ask people, you know, do you feel committed to embracing a more flexible um, and hybrid working environment? And this year, the question really was like, have you implemented new rules for stuff and have you changed, concretely changed how the newsroom works? And this year is a 61% said, yes, they have now largely implemented hybrid working. They have new rules in place for stuff. um, And a remaining 17 want to implement a hybrid model, but are still working out how um, to best do it concretely.
0: Working from home and working in the newsroom both have pros and cons. Commuting can be exhausting and expensive, but at least you get to be around your colleagues and feel the buzz of the newsroom. Working from home can give you more privacy and convenience, but there are challenges too, like being isolated, Missing out on the news unfolding and the perils of juggling work life and home life. Just to prove the point, my son interrupted the interview with Federica to provide a perfect example of the realities of remote work, and it would be a shame not to share this moment with you. Federica, would you mind if I just press pause quickly? My my five year old is here right now and he's dying to ask me something. I'm I'm very, very sorry. No worries at all. Yes, Ethan. I'll be what have you got in there, buddy? Show me. Ethan, I'm, I'm working right now, so can we make it quick, please? Open the lid. Dip your finger in. Yep. Close the lid. Right. Okay. Finger inside the toilet. That's lovely, mate. I've got to finish this call, okay? Can can I speak to you in a minute, please? <laughs> I'm sorry about that.
1: That's lovely. Kids,
0: what can you do? Um,
1: That's adorable. That's and flexible working here, here there.
0: <laughs> As if I needed a better example, right?
1: Exactly. You should keep it in the call. <laughs>
0: I guess is the the thinking with hybrid models that, you know, this is a middle ground to to kind of suit all needs as best as possible.
1: Yeah, um, there was a quote in the report that I really, really liked um, from um, Natalia Uval, who's the editor in chief of La Diaria um, in Uruguay. And she said that um, she thought uh, her organization was doing a good job um, with um, embracing hybrid working because she thought they were taking the best of both worlds. Um, And so in a way, they were, you know, in in virtual working, they were effective. um, They could, you know, avoid long commutes. um, They could be more productive in some ways. But then they also brought back some of the best aspects of the face-to-face work, which is human interaction and discussion collaboration uh, and and collective thinking and brainstorming and so what's really interesting is that it's not you know the office is not the place is the people Um, and that's what um, I think many news organizations were trying to get to this middle ground of being more conscious and more open to the demand of flexibility that some might have Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we've all discovered that it's easier to do Uh, a round of um, laundry uh, doing a a coffee break time right Uh, or it's easier to combine with caring responsibilities when we can be more flexible in our day Um, and so that's something it's good we're losing less time in long commutes in in certain parts of the world Um, but at the same time we have as you said missed something when we are all by ourselves in isolation and uh, doing enforced remote working and lockdowns. And so how can we bring that back?
0: Yeah, it's certainly been a force for recognising our own work-life balance. And there's a bunch of really interesting figures in this uh, report that I want to dig into. And one of those I found super interesting was that the jury is still very much out on whether working from home impacts our own individual efficiencies and productivity. Um, in some ways, we maybe are, can get a bit more distracted at home but in other ways um, that might not necessarily be the case. What does What exactly does the research say, Federico?
1: Some newsroom, they were saying, actually, we have a rule to go back to the office, but we're really struggling to get people back concretely. Mm. And so one of the questions we asked um, in the survey, they, in the changing newsroom is, is based on a, on a survey of newsroom leaders around the world. Um, and so we asked them, are you actually struggling uh, to bring people back? Um, and the jury is still out on that issue as well. So it was very much a split where 39% um, really said, yes, we're struggling. And 38% was actually, no, we're not uh, we're not really struggling And I think similarly has the same effect on productivity uh, and uh, a slightly different one, though, on a sense of belonging. So last year, one of the things that um, in the survey came out that um, remote and and flexible working was really better or seen better for being much more efficient, much more productive. And so this year we've asked if the more permanent shift to hybrid and flexible work, it had impacted or they've seen an impact, positive or negative on, on productivity. And it's not necessarily like the majority, 45%, said it's, they'd seen neither positive or negative um, impact. And 38% said it was positive. We asked a question about if, um, in reverse of, of the coin, if um, flexible and hybrid working had strengthened or weakened the sense of belonging to the organization. Like a good more than one third said that they were a bit worried because um, they felt that um, this had weakened the sense of belonging and we, we sort of like found a thread through this. So it's really a sense of disconnect emerging with um, newsroom leader being a bit more worried that um, without coming together, being reminded of, you know, why we did the work together and like working more closely there's also a connection of purpose, of mission to the, of the organization, the belonging um, is, is weakening. And I think also interesting from last year results, um, many um, newsroom leaders said that they felt the connection within one team grew stronger because, you know, you interact with those people every day on Zoom and Slack or whatever you interact, but the global connection towards the, the broader organization cross teams was um, wakening a bit.
0: That's a very interesting um, piece of analysis there, Federica, because there is something to be said about walking through the, the front door of the building, being part of a chatty, noisy newsroom, that sense of belonging, being in the thick of the news I mean in, in the thick of the atmosphere. At the same time, the pandemic's been a force for doing away with some formalities and seeing everyone's bedrooms, having your editor on um, a Zoom call and, you know, trying to nurse a coffee in the morning or something like that so there's an interesting two-way impact here still things to be figured out then I'm sensing
1: yeah absolutely and I think you know you're totally right I think um, the pandemic and everyone joining a a, a meeting remotely um, has been a big democratizing force um, in many places um, we are all uh, square on zoom Um, And you might be a square next to the CEO of your company, whereas before you might have not taken the seat at the the big table of the meeting next to the CEO of your company. Again, Mm. a lot varies with generalizing, a lot varies for different, you know, um, companies culture, but for sure. That was, you know, help a lot of more people to attend many of the big meetings, whether it's editorial call in the morning or many or like all staff, because it was much easier for everyone to join and feel part of the same, um, you know, structure and organization. So in that sense, I agree with you. Um, I think we've seen that it's been a big force of um, of democratization in some point. And also, I think, inclusivity in a way. Um, you know, a few people in this year's report um, really remarked how, Um, For those organizations who have a distributed workforce and already had it before, there is less comparison between being in the headquarters or being in like fringe offices where you feel you're not really where the action is. And so you feel you're not part of that central um, either, again, headquarters or or, or culture or what's happening. So there's been... Better, it's, it's been better in, in that sense to making like everyone, no matter where you work, feel part of the organization. And so that sense of disconnect or that sense of belonging is something that needs to be thought intentionally and, and cultivated.
0: Some news organizations are being quite prescriptive about how hybrid works, with a mandate from the top, insisting on a set number of specific days each week required to come in. Others are more flexible, leaving it up to the managers to run their own teams and take care of individual needs. Making hybrid a success really boils down to newsroom culture, as there are common challenges in both working from home and coming to work, like presenteeism, the idea that you show up without being productive due to poor physical or mental health. Now, we mostly think of presenteeism in the office, but truth be told, it also applies to working from home.
1: Um, we've also seen a arrays of uh, concern around mental health and well-being and the feeling you connected non-stop. Because one way to show that you're working is that you have a green dot on Slack or whatever, right? So I think there is always sort of like two sides of, of looking at this in many of these um, issues. Um, and once again, is down to how intentional and proactive newsrooms or managers have been in thinking about this and maybe discussing with their own team members, how do we measure work? How do we measure if we're all getting out what we need um, from this interaction?
0: Really great point there, just about the green light on Slack and presenteeism does actually exist in a remote scenario as well. Um, speaking of leadership and management, of course, all of this has the consequence of adding yet another plate for managers and leaders to spin. What is very clear from the data is that there is a concern about what all of this means for the pressures on leadership and management.
1: Yeah, I think uh, a bit it emerged last year as well of of an understanding that, you know, who was left with implementing hybrid working or making sure that every single team member was doing okay um even in moments where it was really difficult um throughout the pandemic and you know many people experienced a lot of loss and difficulties and, and health issues um so an added complexity to that layer of managers which often are the middle managers Um, And so really this um, recognizing that middle managers are really the the connective fabric and tissue of an organization. Um, They are the point of contact for people, you know, through meetings and through seeing their managers, they'll see the company in many cases. And I think even more now, I think in this year, it came out how many of the challenges around hybrid and implementing hybrid are are managerial. There was an article on the Harvard Business Review um, last year, which really, really stayed with me. Um, because they were talking about this performance compassion dilemma, um, where managers and middle managers are really trapped between a demand from above of, you know, performance and like m- making things happen and making things work, answering business need and wanting to be compassionate and understanding towards team members and each individual. Need. uh, And so, like being a bit trapped in between these two roles.
0: And so, what kind of what you're saying there is that newsroom leaders have to be empathetic all the while, sort of protecting these people from a lot of the pressures that are on them, soaking it all up themselves. And that has a knock on effect for their burnout and their levels of um, attentiveness. Completely. Completely. Mm. Super interesting. I think one of the early concerns that we saw with the pandemic was how um, remote working would impact young journalists especially in their development and you know that sense of very difficult to describe gold dust in the newsroom not having someone that they can just lean across and ask for advice is is that something that's come out in the report as well you know the the concerns
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think on on two forms. One, again, goes back to the sense of belonging. And that's generally not just for the young reporters, but everyone who's new in an organization. Mm. Um, You know, even if it's maybe you're more experienced and so you're less in terms of like learning about the profession and the job, there is a sense that you understand how an organization, a newsroom functions by being in it. And so many have reported a much more difficult job to do when onboarding new stuff. Um, whether young or, or senior. But on top of that, of course, for the more younger staff, it's not just about learning how a specific organization and newsroom work, but also learning more about the job. Um, many talked in the past about this learning by osmosis, where you're just sitting in the newsroom and and learn things. I think in a way, Maybe it's also a bit of a myth, it's like not just because you're sitting um, in a newsroom that you just learned, but it's much easier for like other people. You know, you overhear a conversation, you overhear interaction with more senior reporters or editors and absolutely much easier, you know, to ask for advice or to be given advice in a way that's much more informal than saying, let's have a formal call where I can tell you this. Um, so some of that has been lost, and I think many newsroom have been thinking about how do we compensate setting up mentorship programs or learning programs or development programs so that they make sure um, we could, they can could do both of, of these, basically.
0: Yeah. And this is really is where newsrooms have been quite proactive and creative thinking about what the solution is here. Whether as as you say, training sessions, workshops, mentoring, this is where newsrooms have to pay attention to um a knowledge gap and an experience gap forming in their in their ranks.
1: Completely, completely. And and again, I think, you know, I know it seems quite obvious to see like there is an aspect of intentionality of this, is you know, no one would disagree with it. But I think putting it into practice is more difficult, right? Because you have to think about this much more of like, what are we doing for our younger staff? And, um, and you know, for many, you know, again, it might be a cliche, but in some cases, more senior staff might also have be the one that have a nicer home environment where they have their own office, whereas the junior staff maybe is sharing you know, a room with um, other, you know, flatmates or other people, and therefore they were really looking forward to go back to the office and have another space that felt, you know, work and felt progression and felt um, social. Um, So again, different scenario plays differently for different people.
0: Just to recap, there are five main trends to watch when it comes to the move to hybrid working. 1. Individual productivity and efficiency. The jury is still out here whether that's been net positive or negative. 2. The disconnect forming between newsrooms and their staff. A smaller but not insignificant concern here. 3. The demands put on the shoulders of leaders and managers. A clear and growing worry. 4. The development of junior staff especially. A long-standing issue, but one newsrooms are trying to solve. And the fifth one we haven't talked about yet is attracting talent and diversity into the newsroom. Hybrid means that news organisations can hire outside of their immediate geographical remit, and that's an appealing option for job candidates. As we move forward, hybrid work is likely to become less of a perk and more of an expectation. That's a word of caution for those who are looking to return to the old ways or have not yet figured out how to manage the hybrid situation.
1: In last year's survey, we asked people, if we asked managers, which area that they felt more confident they were able to hire, and that was editorial, Um, but they felt a bit more difficult to hire in data or tech. Those are jobs that uh, in many cases have a lot of competition from different industries, they pay more. And so being able to offer a degree of flexibility to try to attract and retain that type of talent might play a very important role. And then at the same time, as you were saying, opens up a lot in possibility of geographic diversity and diversity more in general, especially for big newspapers or big, um, you know, newsroom in big, expensive cities. You might not need to get someone who lives in an expensive London, which already kind of like limits the pool of people who can afford that and therefore could really be a force um, for diversifying the newsroom. In that sense, it will become a competitive advantage if you can um, offer a flexible um, setup and I guess eventually one question we'll have to see maybe next year report is like you know if everyone is embracing that maybe it's not just about being competitive but but, but being able to offer the minimum but indeed there is a recognition I think in this year's survey that um, hybrid and flexible working has made hiring and retaining and retaining talent either easier or somewhat easier.
0: If we're saying hybrid working gives us a competitive advantage really in hiring what does this mean for the quite remarkable 20% of organizations who are largely want to go back to the way things were and the 17% who want to do it but not sure how for those of us who are stuck in the past or unable to adapt are they going to miss out on the best talent you think
1: i think this plays very differently in different um places you know there might be um places where Going back to the office has been much more prevalent choice. I you know I'm, I'm, might be stereotyping here, but I'm Italian. I'm thinking of Italy. Many more of my friends in Italy are actually back in the office with a degree of flexibility with some days at home, but largely they're back in the office and other places around the world where it's much more flexible other places in which they had to negotiate with the unions. Like many cases, they had to change contracts or renegotiate um, actual deal. I'm thinking of France, where a lot of it has been, you know, an actual renegotiation of terms of, of contract. Generally, I think, you know, it would be very hard for me to imagine a world in which, you know, the entire flexibility you've learned to have, is you know, completely erased by back to the office every single day nine to five and that's it. Um and in fact, um we've seen, you know, tension, if not conflict, in some newsroom and in some places where The organization have asked people to come back and and stuff is sort of like pushed back Um, often it's part of other negotiation issues and other um, things that they are negotiating on not just that i think that's the point right Um, when do we actually really go back to the past it's always an evolving and so whatever we've learned through the pandemic i think what is a good approach is kind of like doing a good evaluation of what have we missed by remote and hybrid working what can we bring back? Um, and therefore, is not just about saying, let's go back to the office, but why? What are we doing there? And what's the difference? And really articulating the purpose of what working together in the office is and communicating the purpose. Final
0: question. I'd like you to give us a takeaway from, from the research, Federico. And I'll phrase it this way. What are the best newsrooms doing right when it comes to hybrid working? What What have you learned throughout this research?
1: I think, again, it goes back to... Uh, having thought through um what rule are we choosing and why um communicating it with clarity uh and so really making sure that everyone understands we are asking you to come back to the office two days three days one day whatever it is because
0: so the justification being key
1: justification and like really
0: an incentive
1: incentive you know when it talks you talk to when you talk about incentives it's been very different like some people say like free pizza or others will say you know work from work day like you're trying to make a thing out of it and you know all making sure indeed you know i think the worst possible thing is that you force people to come back for them to sit on zoom all day because they have two colleagues in person four online and therefore why have you commuted uh, and, and done something if at the end of the day, you had the same day you were going to have at home. Yeah. Um, That would really makes no sense. And so really thinking about whatever is the incentive, whether it's free pizza or learning days or collaboration or whatever it is, really planning differently. And, you know, in a big organization with a lot of different teams, that's not necessarily super easy to do um, because there are a lot of competing sometimes demands and different teams might have different requirements. Yeah, Um, And so... Those who've done it well have really thought through that aspect, like what works for single teams, um, but at the same time, keeping the broad organization uh, in mind and therefore really try to compensate or counterbalance with that sense of disconnect uh, or rebuilding the connection between the, the employee and, and the office. Um, and then I think the other thing that I've seen done well are like those who are just experimenting, you know, Um, DC Thompson, which is a regional group in the UK, has actually been doing a lot of surveys um, around how employees are finding different options. They have many newsrooms. They implemented two different setups in two different newsrooms with with the aim of comparing and learning and listening to staff and trying to understand, okay, how is it working? What's working well? What's not working well? And actually, one of the questions that they're trying to understand is... um, do you feel more part of the organization if you ask to come back frequently or not frequently and how often and how does it play in terms of like how much do you feel your voice is heard but then again how will concretely play out will depend on what a newsroom put in place um, to make it happen Uh, there is no magic here nothing happens just um, by itself
0: There is no magic, but I love that idea of A-B testing within your own newsroom, essentially uh, running those experiments and to really uh, track how that goes down with your employees. Um, Federica, this has been a wonderful conversation and really, really interesting perspectives. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hybrid work is not necessarily new, but it is becoming more mainstream in newsrooms. It can be the best of both worlds of physical and remote work, but it can also carry with it many drawbacks. To really make it a success, treat it like any other experiment. Start with feedback from your staff, test out new ideas, support leaders who will inevitably come under strain to execute it, and then iterate on what is and is not working. And of course, let us know how you get on. DM or tweet me at jpjournalism or my team at journalism.co.uk at journalism news. If you'd like to feature on the show or you've got a topic or story you want us to cover on the podcast, do get in touch. I'm on jacob at journalism.co.uk. And finally, if you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. That way, you won't miss our next exciting episode. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.